Oh, amen. Um, uh, it is a privilege to, uh, to work with your teenagers. It really is. It's a huge blessing. And uh, I'm excited for camp this week. Um, I know all the teens are. Uh, all the teens are. My daughter's really excited for camp. Uh, she's getting a lot older. She's understanding a lot of the preaching more. She's understanding a lot more things. And she just kept telling us every day, I can't wait to go to camp. I can't wait to go to camp. So that's, that's a huge blessing. And, uh, but go ahead and open up your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. Um, I just want to thank those of you who I asked to pray, pray for me. I, had, um, I felt like I had a small sinus infection. I had a little pressure behind my right eye for a few days. I was feeling it a couple of days into work, and it was just kind of bothering me. But uh, I asked a couple of people to pray for me specifically, and I just want to let you know, Lord heard your prayers because I feel a lot better today. Um, so thank you for praying for that. Uh, go ahead and open uh, Ezekiel chapter 22, a very familiar verse, a uh, very impactful verse. It's a very sad verse, if not one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Ezekiel chapter 22, look at verse 30. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. It says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. <clears throat> Stand in the gap before, before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. It's a very sad verse in, the, in this uh, particular uh, chapter and, and verse. When we look previously on in the chapter, and he's talking about the priests and the princes and the prophets and the people. And uh, they all end up compromising. God can't find a priest, can't find a prince, can't find a prophet, can't find people reliable to use because they became corrupted. It's a very sad verse because he could not find one. And I want to preach a little bit this morning on four things that God is looking for but he cannot find. Four things in a man, four things that he wants from you that he can't find. The Lord is looking for someone, he's searching for someone who's willing to preach, someone who's willing to teach, someone who's willing to evangelize, someone who's willing to be a missionary, someone who's willing to be a Sunday school teacher, someone who's willing to be a youth helper, someone who's willing to serve in the kitchen, someone who's willing to clean the building, someone who's willing to mow the lawn, looking for someone who's willing to do, someone who's willing to serve the Lord. And he's looking for that. And in this passage, he's looking for one, and he cannot find one. And I believe, more now than ever, we, we, we admit, and we know our Bible, we know we're in the Laodicean church age. And we, we have lots of people here, but many of you are really good and hard workers and, and really busy for the Lord, but many times, many times we're, so, we're really busy in work, outside of here, but we're not staying busy in work for the Lord. We're not willing to spend our time serving the Lord. So I want to preach on the man God cannot find. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I just pray that you touch my tongue, my lips. Lord, guide my thoughts and my heart to preach exactly what you'd have me to preach this morning. Lord, get me out of the way. Lord, I don't want to be in the way of these people hearing from you today. 
And I just pray that I wouldn't get mixed up on my words and different things like that, that I would speak eloquently and, and I would be able to give you the glory that you deserve, Lord, today. Lord, I praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, the first thing, he needs to find the individual. He needs to find the person. And what kind of person? Well, I know that we're heading out to teen camp this week, and of course we need young people. We do need young men, but we need men. We need men. A man who is willing to roll up their sleeves and work. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I know from experience that we have a lot of men in this church who are hard workers. We have a lot of men who are willing to work. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at verses 2 and 3. It says, We thank God, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. And I know that there's a lot of good, hardworking men here in this church. But so many times I feel like we get so caught up with work outside of here that we forget the work that needs to be done in here. And not just, I'm not just talking about in this building, but work for the Lord. Uh, you know, you're not, maybe you, could be, you wouldn't be considered a slothful individual in your daily job. You work hard, you work well for your boss, or maybe you're self-employed and you work hard to make yourself a living, and you're not a slothful individual. But maybe you're a slothful individual when it comes to serving the Lord. Uh, you may be a good, hard-working person, but how hard are you working for the Lord? How much time do you set aside to do work to make money to take care of your family, but you're not willing to set time aside to work for the Lord? That's just important for your family as it is providing for them financially. It's providing for them spiritually. We need to see men in our churches who are not just willing to provide for their family financially, but being the spiritual leader in their home and showing them, you know what? I'm tired today. I know that there's some errands that need to get done and there are things I want around my house and things that would make us more comfortable in our home today. But we need some street preachers. We need some street preachers. We need people out knocking on doors and, and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. We need people who are willing to roll up their sleeves and do work for the ministry. We're lack, we, we've been lacking numbers this year in street preaching. I'll just be honest. We've, we've, had, we've been out for street preaching for a few months now, and the numbers have gone down quite a bit. I don't think we're averaging more than four to five this year on the corner. And usually that's only two or three, two, two or three guys preaching. We need some preachers out there. We need some men who are willing to go out there and, and work, roll up their sleeves, and do the dirty work and go out there. Listen, we need our young men and our young ladies to see men willing to, you know what, get cussed at, get uh, flipped off, get, listen, standing in the gap. And listen, uh, listen you, if you're a man, then be a man. And show your children that you're willing to let people call you names in, for the name of Jesus Christ. They need to see men out there who are willing to serve and give their time and even uh, spend some money to give God glory with their lives. Whether it's physical or spiritual, 
We need men who are willing to work. It is work to minister. It is work to serve the Lord. It takes time to serve the Lord. You have to make time. You have to say, you know what? It is important today that these people hear the gospel, and I will, make, I will take an hour out of my day to go and minister, to tell someone about the gospel. There are, it's not just street preaching. There are a lot of things to be involved with, but we need to get involved, men. We need ladies. God's looking for ladies, young ladies, middle-aged ladies. There are no old ladies in here, so we're all, so we're all doing good, right? That's right. We have ladies in here, all right? But God is looking for ladies who are willing to serve, willing to be, to be servants. Uh, turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And uh, young ladies in here, if you want, you want a good godly man, a good godly husband someday, you need to be looking for a man who's willing to work hard. But young lady, ladies in here, you need to be willing to serve. You need to be willing to work hard. A young man who, is, who has potential or, or feels like there's a calling on his life and the Lord might be calling him into the ministry is not going to be looking for a girl who's not willing to do some work for the Lord. Roll up her sleeves and do, and do some service for him. Uh, Titus chapter 2, look at verses 1 through 5. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. The aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. God's not just looking for good, strong young men. He's looking for young ladies who are willing to serve the Lord. And willing to roll up their sleeves and, 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 and do the work that is necessary. We need ladies out there on the street corner too. We need ladies. We need children. There are, ladies and children can get more gospel tracts out than men do. It's easy for people to say no to a guy. They're not worried about hurting your feelings. And I know in this day and age, they, it, it's, <laughs> it's getting worse. But it's harder to say no to an eight-year-old little girl. It's hard to say no to a, to, a, to a beautiful lady who's just sitting out there in court saying, hey, you need to hear about Jesus today and pass it out there. Families, it's, a, it's important. Men, it's imp- important for you to be out there in a street corner, but it's just as important for your children to see you out there and being out there as a family and working together as a family to give God glory. It is important that your kids see what kind of man, what kind of father, what kind of mother they have who is willing to do, serve the Lord regardless of how the world feels about it. It's important. Are you too busy in work outside the church to do some work for the Lord? Are you too busy? Don't be too busy for the Lord. Turn over to Philipp, uh, Philippians chapter 1. It's amazing to me, I said this before, technology and everything and, and machines and everything is getting better and better as the years go along and they're, they're made more efficiently. Why? Why? To Most of the time it's to save time, right? Your phones are built with better processors to move 
faster. Your cars are, are, are made in a specific way. They're faster than they've ever been. Things, technology and things have been made so that everything just runs smoother and faster so you have more time. And you would think with all this more time that you all should have, then you should have more time to devote to the Lord. But it seems like technology and, it, and, and, and different things like that have taken more of our time than we have been saving our time to give to the Lord. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye may stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We need young men. We need young ladies. We need families. Families of this church, church members, striving together working together in faith and giving God the glory with good attitudes, working together. The church was designed and it was put here on purpose so that we could help each other out and work together. So let's do it. Let's see more families serving the Lord together. I know sometimes it's more convenient it can be more convenient to just go yourself and leave your kids with someone. But I'm telling you right now, it's important for your kids to see you serve. It's important. God is looking for a person who is willing to work. So he needs to find that, for, that person. But what does he want in that person? He wants them to be a protector. He needs them to be a protector. What is a protector? It's a, it's a hedge. It's to obstruct to surround for defense. And what, do you, what am I talking about? I'm talking about protecting your purity. I'm talking about, are you doing everything you possibly can in this life to keep yourself clean? I feel like we've gotten really lazy on, in, in that way. And I don't want to step on my toes. I don't want to say anything that's against the Holy Spirit, but the Lord just really been working on me about certain things. It's like we've been really lackadaisical on how we dress, how we talk, what we watch, what we listen to, what we do. And we're not thinking about and realizing that, yes, God looketh on the heart, man seeth the outward appearance, but that's all the more reason for you to dress right. Man doesn't see your heart. God does. When he sees you dressing like garbage and wearing inappropriate things, they're not thinking, oh, well, they're a Christian. They must be good in their heart. No. They don't think that at all. All they see is what you're wearing. All they hear is what comes out of your mouth, what you do. And I was just, <laughs> it's very important in how you carry yourself and keeping yourself pure, keeping yourself clean, uh, keeping yourself holy, resisting temptation. Resisting temptation. That we come into so many temptations in this life. We got that smartphone, we got these computers. We got these TVs, and they're all over the place. They're all over the place. And the temptations are, are everywhere. Men, we know that our eyes get us into trouble, and temptations are everywhere. You are, what are you doing to keep yourself clean and pure? Are you setting boundaries in your life? Are you setting boundaries up to protect yourself? Are you allowing your wife to be critical on, on certain things that you do, what you watch, what you see, so that she can help you resist temptation. 
So many times uh, the wife is trying to help the husband say, hey, you probably shouldn't listen to that. Hey, you probably shouldn't be watching that. You shouldn't be looking at that. Hey, what are you looking at? And the husband will get offended and get upset instead of saying, hey, thanks for looking out for me. Thanks for protect, trying to keep me safe. Because temptations, you, you look at a temptation long enough, you're, you're going to be in that sin. You're going to get involved in that sin. But I'm so thankful that God has given you everything that you need to stay away from those temptations. He's given you everything you need to, to not give in to that temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. That God is faithful and you, that you will not... Suffer that you will not be able to be tempted. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, but he has made every single way possible for you not to give in to temptation. There is no temptation taking you, that is, but it's common to man. We need to be memorizing our scripture. We need to be getting in God's word and getting in and making sure that we're putting God's word in our heart so we don't sin against him. The Bible says in Matthew 26, 41, it says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, the, the spirit is willing. You know, listen, we all want to, I, I believe or I hope that everyone in here has a true desire to have a good and close relationship with, the, with God, but you need to remember that your flesh is weak. We still live in this flesh. We still fight with this flesh. And your spirit may be willing, but if you're not taking the proper precautions to stay away from temptation, your flesh is weak and you will give in to that temptation. Specifically, the, the temptations you struggle with most. The thing that we, we struggle with most, I believe, in our Christian walk, it's been men mentioned by pastors just the other day, is prayer. Prayer is something that is so easily accessible. It's one of the easiest things that you possibly can do. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, 4, 16, Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we, may obtain, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's the most easy thing that we can get a hold of, and yet we spend the least amount of time doing. We have direct access to the throne room. If you're saved in here today, your direct access to the throne room is your, the cable that goes straight to God is Jesus Christ. And yet we ignore that. Christ knows how hard it is. Listen, God, Christ came down and became man in the flesh and went through, endured every temptation that you and I went through and go through, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He understood and, and realized that in order for you to say, well, God doesn't know what we go through. He's perfect. He's pure. He's holy. God cannot sin. He can't understand the how strong these temptations are. You're wrong. Jesus Christ was man in the flesh. And as a man in the flesh, he knew every temptation that man gets. And yet, he rejected it. He didn't give in to the temptation. He said no to all those things. But uh, James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. 
That's one of the craziest things to me, to think that you can get a crown. One of the greatest things that you can get in your Christian life is a crown, is a crown, and you get a crown for resisting temptation. Why? Because it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard thing, but you know what? It's worth it. He is worthy to be served. He's worthy of us putting our flesh down, putting ourselves down so that he can get the glory. He is worth it. Do you do everything that is in your power to protect yourself, keep yourself clean, keep yourself holy, protect yourself? Do you do everything that's in your power to protect your loved ones, the ones that are closest to you, the ones that you care about? Because I think about this all the time. The things that I was protected from in my generation and, and the things that were, that were sin and, and looked wrong when I was a kid seems like when you become an adult, it's like, oh, well, I was just young. I couldn't, you know, I was just young and my parents were keeping me safe and I just was too young to handle that. And so it's okay for me to handle now. And then you say, well, then I'll let my kids go as far as watching this and I'll allow certain things in their lives because it was actually okay for me to do when I was young, but it's okay for my kids to watch now. And you're not protecting your kids. You're letting them watch filth. You're letting them watch garbage that you knew was garbage when you were a kid, but you just thought, well, now that I'm old enough, I can get away with it. It's okay for me now. And it's, if it wasn't okay for you then, it's not okay for you now. And it's not okay for your kids now. And I just remember that illustration, how, how God's word has always been right here. And every generation, they, they, they step a little bit further away from what God's word is. And then the next generation says, well, they were just being a little overprotective. It's actually okay. I'm old enough. I can, I can make some of my own decisions. Meanwhile, the, the God's word is still right there. And yet you're taking one step further away every time because you, you think that you can allow certain things that weren't allowed then. You're getting further and further away from the Lord, and we're, and we're being blind. Don't let them fall. Don't let your loved ones fall. You can't help, and if you're not willing to keep yourself clean, you're not willing to keep yourself pure, who's, and if you're the one falling, you're not going to be able to help anyone else. Proverbs 11, 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Get around people who love the Lord, people who have good, strong convictions. Cling to them and help them, help them and let them help you. You need to be, be a protector. You need to be protecting your purity, protecting your holiness. You need to be staying away from all temptations. And even the things like I, uh, even the things that look like temptations, abstain from the appearance of evil. You don't want to be a stumbling block to someone. Let's protect our purity. Let's protect ourselves. Let's keep ourselves holy. God's looking for someone who is willing to set themselves aside unto Him. Separate from temptation. Separate from sin, and separate unto Him. And listen, the closer you are to Him, the better your vision starts to clear up. If you're, if you're in God's word the way you're supposed to be, if you're in prayer the way you're supposed to be, you're hearing the preaching like you're supposed to, and your heart is soft, and you're getting close to the Lord, 
you will, your eyes will start to clear up and you realize how wicked those things are. Our biggest problem as Christians is we don't see sin the way God sees sin. The third thing, the third thing in a man that God is looking for is persistence. Persistence. Continuing to firmly or obstinately in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Regardless of what's going on, sticking with it. You know, you don't have to live a Christian life very long to realize that there is a lot of opposition. The world, the flesh, and the devil, and in that order. Because I'm telling you right now, if you can't get a handle on the world and the flesh, the devil's not going to bother with you. Because you can't even get over your own flesh. You can't even keep your own flesh under control. And most of the time, if you can't keep your flesh under control, you're in the world. Anyone can be saved and show up for church and dress right, and show, and, and show up and do, and do the things that you think is right in the church building, but that doesn't make you a Christian. Christian is one who is following the Lord and following his teachings. It's, and and it's, do, it's doing exactly that. It's not being ashamed of giving out the gospel. It's not being ashamed of preaching about Christ. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, look at verse 20 and 21. Philippians chapter 1, verse uh, 20, says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Are you persistent enough in your life and resilient enough in your life that no matter what, you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to teach the gospel, you're going to spread and not be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ? Are you going to be a witness boldly? God has given us boldness. Uh, I, I, tell my, I tell my teens all the time, I said, listen, don't be afraid to come out and street preach. I said, your, your flesh is the one that's afraid, but that fear doesn't come from God. That fear comes from another spirit, that, that spirit that doesn't want you to give God glory, that doesn't want you preaching. But I'm telling you, when you take that step of faith and you let out those first couple of words and start preaching, boldness sets in because that Holy Spirit then fills in the gaps. But he wants to see you take that step of faith. You need to open up your mouth. You need to be willing to tell someone about the gospel. You need to be able to be that witness. You open up your mouth, Lord will fill in that boldness. It's always scary before you're about to do it. But that shouldn't keep you from doing it. Witnessing with boldness, not letting others take Christ's name in vain. Oh man, that bothers me so much. I understand that the lost world is lost. And I understand that they can't be held responsible for how they act as a lost person because they're not saved. They don't have my convictions. But you could still say something. There are people that I work with that will say stuff on my behalf because I always say, hey, hey um, I'm not, I know you're not a Christian. And 
And I'm not telling you how to live your life or what you can say, but I would appreciate it if you wouldn't say that while I'm around. And they will go around, and if someone else that I don't even have contact with comes into the area, and maybe they cuss, or they start swearing, or they take the names, and they'll be like, hey, man, don't say that. Don't say that around Kevin. He doesn't like that. And, and I appreciate that because it just takes a little bit of boldness. It just takes a little bit of faith. It just takes for you to go out on a limb and say, hey, listen, please don't do that because that's my God. That's my faith. And there will be jerks. There will be some people who don't care. But I have found that majority of the time, 90% of the time, people are respectful enough because you were respectful to them. And they, they won't do that. But you need to be bold and take a stand for Christ. It should hurt you and bother you when someone takes the name of the Lord in vain. Man, it bothers me. That's my God. <laughs> Standing on God's perfect word. Are you persistent enough to give the gospel? Are you persistent enough to stand on God's perfect word? Turn to Psalms chapter 138. Because that's what this word is. It's perfect. It's infallible. <laughs> And if you truly believe that, you have God's written word in your hands. What is keeping you from this book? <laughs> God has done everything he possibly could to get his words and get instructions to you on how to live this life to better serve him. Why are you not reading it? Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple. And praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. God's name is a pretty big deal. <laughs> Remember in the garden, we talk about uh, when Jesus says, here am I. <laughs> or here I am. Referring to Moses in the, uh, in the bush when he was to say, who do I tell the people Whose name should I tell them I'm coming in? And God tells them to say, I am. And then Jesus, when he's in the garden, he says, I am he. And they all fall down backwards because his name's a big deal. His words are a big deal. He magnifies his words above his name. This word should be everything to you in your life. Now, we don't worship the book. Right? It's not an idol. We don't worship this book. But this book should be the most important thing for you to get into in this life. Because this is where God speaks to you. We already talked about prayer and how easy it is for us to communicate, and how easy it is for us to pray, to pray and speak to God, but we choose not to do it. But this is how God speaks to you. Why would you not want to hear from God? And I can tell you right now why you don't want to hear from God. The same thing I just mentioned in my Sunday school hour. I mentioned, I said, the most miserable people that you will find in this world is someone who is saved and is not living for the Lord. A lost person, they don't know any better. If they're miserable and stuff, they're miserable because of their own doings, because they got on their own drugs and they don't have God in their life. But the more miserable person is this person who gets saved who knows the truth of this book and decides to turn their back on God, thinking they can go back into a world where they don't belong. And then when 
people who love them and care about them and trying to pull them back in and trying to reach out to them and try to pull them back in, they just despise you. They don't want nothing to do with you. And they're miserable because they can't go back to that world. And they don't, and they can't go, and they don't want to be back here as a, and living the way they're supposed to live. And they're miserable. You need to not be ashamed for the gospel of Christ. You need to stay in this word, this word that God has given you. Be persistent in his word and stand for your values and standards. Stand for the things that God has told you to do in your life. Don't let those around you make fun of you for your dress, your speech, your conversation. And don't let it get you down. <laughs> I ought to be afraid of God more than men. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Now I know there are different things about convictions and standards and everybody has their own that God has uh, given you in your life. And I do believe that. I don't believe that every single person has the same standard because God is a God of individuals and he works on individual people and he tells individual people different things. And, uh, and, uh, but you need to make sure that when you find out what God wants to do, you do it. What God wants you to change in your life, you change. What God wants you to get rid of in your life, you get rid of. It doesn't matter if anybody else is doing it. It doesn't matter what the Christian so-and-so is over here doing or what that person is doing in their Christian walk. And it doesn't mean that you get to tell them how they should dress, how they should talk, and how they should act. God, listen, especially young Christians, people who are newly saved, and they dive into God's word and prayer, they'll get caught up when the Lord tells them. They'll figure it out as the Lord reveals it to them. And we need to make sure that we're doing everything that we possibly can to support them and help them, but not forcing our values, not forcing our standards on them too soon, too early. You don't, you're going to do more hurt than you are help. First Peter, uh, First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, and a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness, into his marvelous light. You are to show forth his praises. Being persistent as a Christian, you're supposed to be different, number one. You're supposed to be different. And be persistent in that. We're all, we're all trying to do as, as... I think that we've gotten to a place as Christians that we try to get as close to the edge without going over. Looking as close and fit in with as much modern uh, clothing and, and fit in with the technology and try to fit in as we possibly can and, and, and get as close as we can. But, you know, we're like, but, but we can't go too far because we need to. I'm a Christian. Why are you trying to get so close to the edge and try to match them so much? We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to have a different conversation. We're supposed to have different speech. We're supposed to. Have better standards. Are you persistent and are you going to take a stand for those things? 
And lastly, God's looking for a man of prayer. A man of prayer. Are you a prayer? (laughs) God wants you to be praying before Him. Are you constantly, consistently in fellowship with God? Prayer is one of the greatest spiritual gifts that we have. It's a direct line to God because our cable is Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And yet it's the one thing that we spend the least amount of time in. Philippians 4 Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And we just throw that verse right out. It says everything. I guarantee you, you we have a lot of people who probably got up this morning and spent some time in prayer and spent some time in their Bible, but then the rest of the morning, every decision that they made was a decision that they made on their own. I used to think it was silly when I heard, I, heard a, I heard someone say that they prayed and asked the Lord what they should wear, today, wear for the day. But I look at this verse, and I don't see that there's anything silly about it. Because if your goal in your Christian life is to give God glory in everything that you do, shouldn't you be seeking his will and asking him, Lord, is this okay for me? Lord, should I be doing this? What should I be doing? And every decision that we make, it's just, we make it so easily without even considering the Lord in it. And we ought to be in a constant state of prayer. It says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. When things happen, are you thankful in that moment when things turn out the way it should have? Or even when it's unexpected. You know, uh, I, I tell my teens, as soon as, like, uh, if you find yourself in a situation where you're hurt or you get hurt, and you say, well, thank you, Lord, it could have been worse. <laughs> thank you, Lord, uh, for helping this not go. I, I remember working on a couple of machines at, at, uh, where I work in my, in, at Tessie Plastics, and I'll be hanging a mold, and, and I'll be... Uh, <laughs> Uh, praying and praying in a state of prayer, and I'll just be thinking, it's like, well, Lord, this isn't a fun mold to work on, but I pray that you will just help me <laughs> help everything to go the way it should. And it doesn't always. Sometimes it does. Sometimes I'm missing 20 different things, and I got to fix a bunch of different things. And but you still have to thank the Lord for those things. There's a reason for it. It teaches you patience. I think that's one of the hardest things as Christians to learn is patience. Prayer teaches you patience. Prayer, because you don't know when, the out, when it's going to take place or when the outcome will take place. So it teaches you, it's like, well, Lord, it's on your timetable, not mine. But you need to make sure that you're spending that time in prayer. A time alone with prayer. Now, I'm talking about You're going to have some time where um, in the morning when you set aside for the Lord, and that is absolutely essential. The time that you set aside, alone time with the Lord in prayer is essential. 
but you you need to make sure that you, throughout your day you're in a constant state of prayer because we are in, a, in living in this flesh. We're still in this flesh. And you're still going to be introduced to temptations and thoughts and things that are going to be harmful to you as a Christian. And if you're not staying in that constant state of prayer of mind, then you're going to forget about those wicked thoughts that you had and you're not going to take care of it. And when you need to take care of sin immediately. You want your fellowship with the Lord to be consistent, to be persistent. You can't do that if you're not in a constant state of prayer. Because we don't remember. I, listen, my wife can attest, I forget stuff all the time. I forget everything, like all the time. And if I didn't keep myself in a state of prayer that when I messed up, there's no, I am definitely not going to remember what I did yesterday, tomorrow. The amount of times that we sin in a day and in our thought life and different things that go on, you're not going to remember every single one of them. That's why it's so important to take care of it immediately. Restore that fellowship immediately. So that way, when you're getting ready to head out to a camp or youth ablaze or special meetings or even just coming to church on a Sunday, you're not having to spend a half hour confessing all the things that you've done before the Lord can speak to you. It's very important. Time should be set aside for real communication. Any relationship that you have in this world, if you're going to have a good relationship with someone, you have to have good communication. Uh, husbands and wives, if you're going to have a good relationship with each other, you need to have communication. You need to be able to set time aside and talk to each other about what's going on in your life. Husbands, I know that's hard. <laughs> Men, that's, it's not easy. We don't, we're not just... Easy to just sit down and just, oh, this is every situation I went through in my work day, and I interacted with this person, and I worked on this, and I interacted with that. It's just we, we, we finished our day, we packed it in a box, it's set aside, boom, we don't have to talk about it, it's done, whatever. And ladies, it's not the same. It's like they, like, they, want, they want to tell you what happened today, and this person said this to them, and what their motive was for saying that, and they probably said it because of this, and, and, <laughs> and it's just, uh, and how it reminded them of like two years ago, and this and this happened, and it's just like, the, we know it's, 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 it's different wiring, and that's okay. God made, made you that way, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but regardless of how you guys communicate differently, you still have to communicate. You got to work together and build your relationship and communicate with each other so that you guys can understand that you're going in the right direction together. Making sure that, hey, catch up with your, your, your wife and, or your husband and say, hey, what's the Lord, has the Lord been dealing with you on anything specifically lately? What's, what's the future look like? You guys praying about it together? Are you reading your Bible and talking to each other? Hey, the Lord spoke to me in his word about this today. Oh, that's funny. The Lord spoke to me about this. Communication is important. And just like it's important for you and your spouse to have communication, it's just, it's even more important for you to have that communication with your father. 
making sure you guys are on the same page, making sure that you're not veering off and the Lord wants you to go down this straight and narrow path, but maybe you're kind of veering off in this direction. But if you're staying in communication with the Lord and allowing the Holy Spirit to say, hey, buddy, pay attention, get back on course, listening to that Holy Spirit, but you're not going to hear that Holy Spirit if you're not staying in in a constant mind and state of prayer with Him. It's important. Are you a prayer? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. We hear that verse and it's such a simple verse, but do we do it? Like That's why I say that prayer is one of the most simplest things we could possibly do, but yet we always find it the hardest. <laughs> we still live in this flesh and we still have a mind of our own and our mind wants to take us to a whole bunch of different places. We got to reel it in. Say, Lord, was that the right thing to be thinking about? Lord, Lord, forgive me for that thought. Lord, thank you for sparing me from that car. Lord, thank you for sparing me from this situation. Being in a constant state of mind of prayer and thankfulness. Thankfulness. Be thankful to your God. Being thankful that the God of the universe. The God of all creation who created this universe, who created this earth, who created all the animals and the birds and the sea creatures, the God that created man, the God who created you, was willing to sacrifice part of himself to restore relationship with you so he could communicate with you. Do you even understand that? The God who created you, why he didn't just say, you know what, I'm just going to start again. Because he just spoke you into existence, he could speak you out of it. But he chose, instead of starting anew, he said, I will sacrifice part of me so I can have a relationship with them. That's the God that you serve. That's the God that you have. Think about that. Just really think about that. He wants to be in contact with you. But you can't do that if you're not a prayer. If you're not consistently in a state of prayer. He's looking for a person. He's looking for someone who is willing to roll up their sleeves and do some work. Work for him. Men and women willing to serve him, give him glory through your life. He's looking for someone who is willing to protect their purity, their holiness, resisting temptation and other sin and helping others to do the same. He's looking for someone who is persistent, someone who will stand in the gap, someone who will take a stand for his name's sake and, and someone who is willing to hold hold tight on to his word and hold on to the standards he's given you and he's looking for someone who is willing to pray. Someone who's willing and wants to stay in communication with him at all times. That's who God is looking for. Does God find that in you today? Are you missing one of these? Two of these? Maybe you're missing all of these. I don't know. 
But that's who the Lord is looking for. I pray that if you're missing some of these things and and you've slacked on some of these things in your life, that you get that right today. Teens, we're about to go out and set out to camp. And you want to make sure that you are in the best possible relationship you can have with the Lord before we go. You don't want to spend, spend half of your camp clearing out the junk, right? Let's clear out that junk right now so that our hearts can be ready to be molded by the preaching of God's word and you can enjoy yourself and just enjoy the fellowship and the fun of camp without having to worry about conviction and things that in your life that you should have already taken care of by now. So let's get ready this week, uh, get ready this week to prepare our hearts to serve the Lord. Lord, let's, let's be that person that he wants to find. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you that someone like me can have the opportunity to preach and to serve you. Lord, if we're all honest with ourselves, Lord, we know we're unworthy. But you are worthy. You're worthy to be served and honored and glorified. And you're looking for us. Lord, you're looking for a man. You're looking for a young lady. You're looking for women here that are willing to set themselves aside and put you first in their life. I pray you'd help us today. Lord, we'll give you all the honor and the praise that you're due. In Jesus' name, amen.